Welcome, Oikos. How's everybody doing? Awesome. So we are starting a new series today. We actually, if you've been following along this year, we've been going through what we call the Moravian text, and it gives you different texts each day, and eventually you go through the New Testament in probably a couple years. You'll go through the Old Testament maybe in like three years, but it will eventually get you through if you keep reading daily. It only takes, how long does it take for those of you who are reading? So, some of you, I would say you might want to take more of a pause because you're only, it's taking you five minutes. So you must be like, I know that part. <laughs> Others would say about 15 or 20. I would say about, it takes about 10 minutes. And you can read through the verses. What I'd really prompt you to do is take a pause on one section and just say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? So what we've kind of put together is that our series will follow this text. So right now we're going to be in the book of John. Now the book of John, the gospel of John, was not always a favorite gospel of mine. In fact, I always liked Matthew. And I'm not sure why I like Matthew. I have no, really have no idea. But as a kid, I liked Matthew. And I was just kind of like, oh, well, John, it just like says kind of the same thing. But actually, it does not. So we've got the synoptic is what they call it, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they're more of a historical account. They kind of do a narrative story of the life of Jesus. They go through from point A to point B to point C to point D, all the way to the cross, and then the resurrection. John is written much later. So John is not John the Baptist. And as a kid, I'm saying this because as a kid, I always got this confused. Because I'm like, there's so many Zacharias, and there's so many Johns, and, you know, they all occur at different times. And I always, I was like, John must be John the Baptist. Well, it's not, right? It's the disciple that Jesus loved. He was one of the younger guys, maybe younger than 20. By the time he wrote this gospel, he was hitting 80. 60 years after Jesus was crucified. About 60 years. So he had a lot of time to reflect on exactly what needed to be written that hadn't already been said about Jesus. There was also something going on with this guy called Cernithus. Cernithus was this guy who did not believe that the Trinity existed. And he also thought God becoming flesh was ridiculous. So during the time of John, this, was, this Cernithus was a guy who had made a big following of people who were rejecting Jesus even if they had started to follow Jesus. So around when he's 80, he still felt that he was on mission for God, this John. And he wrote his gospel. And his gospel is different from the synoptics in the fact that it's more of a theological reflection. So what he learned through his years studying God and reflecting on it. Now, some of you could say, I've got a few reflections I've lived 
following God, and I've lived some life. And let me tell you, some of the things I read as a kid mean much more to me now. That's the Gospel of John. So the other Gospels were written more as the narrative. They were written very soon after the death of Jesus. John was written almost 60 years later. And John focuses more on Judea and Jerusalem. This is just, these are neat little facts. So just take them. John focuses more on Judea and Jerusalem. The other Gospels, if you read through them, they focus more on, what do you think? See, these are why I'm saying these little facts, right? Galilee. They focus more on the ministry of Jesus in Galilee than Judea and Jerusalem, but John focuses more there. So when you read through the Gospels, you always have to look at it as four different lenses on the same story. The synoptic Gospels are guys who, when Jesus had died, maybe 10, 15 years after that, they knew that they had to write these events down so that they would not be forgotten. So they wrote them down. And it was a view of a lens. Mark was a lens of Peter looking into the life of Jesus and making sure it was accounted for. Matthew was a view of a man who knew that there were a lot of Jewish people that needed to connect Jesus as the Messiah. So he wrote it with that lens. Luke was writing it as a defense for Paul as he went before the Roman authority. So it's very historical and it has clear connections that would make a defense for why Paul was so devoted to this guy who they believed was dead named Jesus. John also uses more covenant language, where the other Gospels focus more on the kingdom. So they focus more on Jesus making things right, Jesus coming as king into our lives. But John speaks more of the Father, the loving Father who has called us his children. So the book of John, let's go to John you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We're in John chapter 1. He starts out like this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. John uses the word light in his gospel quite a bit. He uses it to express God's love. He uses it to also let us know that when we become children of God, we come into the great light. Now, I think everyone here knows what it feels like to be in the dark. In fact, right before we started, and just in case this happens again, all the lights went out because we have a little transformer issue. And so when the air conditioning shuts off, if it turns back on and it all goes dark, it'll be a great metaphor for my message, but only if the lights come back on. So perhaps you've been in the dark. You've heard that phrase, right? Been in the dark? Have you ever been having a conversation with some friends and you kind of feel like you're in the dark? You have no idea what they're talking about? Maybe it's in your marriage. You've been in the dark. You don't know what step you should take next. 
Or maybe it's in your finances. Have you ever been in the dark in your finances? You're not sure? So like one of the examples we get, have is when Zach was in the NICU, we weren't sure what kind of bill we're going to have. And we were in the dark because hospitals are so clear about their billing. And so we waited and we waited and I almost had a heart attack when I saw the first bill because they didn't tell us that the insurance hadn't kicked in. And I thought, we're bankrupt. There's no hope. It wasn't a faithful response, but I was in the dark. I didn't have all the information. Maybe you've been in the dark in parenting. Those of you who have been parents, ever felt like you're in the dark? If you don't feel that way, others are like, oh, you're in the dark. <laughs> Even if you don't have kids, you look at someone with the kids and go, they're in the dark. Maybe you've been in the dark in your job or your career. Not quite sure what next step you should take. Or the future seems really obscure. Maybe it's in your school. I know when I went to college, it wasn't that long ago, kind of. When I went to college, I wasn't really sure what I should do. I went to college to be a graphic designer with a little end on photography, because I really love photography. I ended then moving from graphic design to art teacher, because I thought I really liked people. That changed. I'm just kidding. I, and then from art teacher to a director of Christian education, because I was like, I don't think I want to be in a job where you have to go like at 7.30 in the morning until 3 o'clock every day, and they get to account for every minute of your day and not be in charge. So I said, no, no teaching for me. So then I moved to director of Christian education. And then as I was going through director of Christian education, I thought, well, I better keep my art stuff. Because what if this other stuff that my mom says, you'll never get a job, <laughs> doesn't work out. Even though she already had said that with an art degree, I'd never get a job either. <laughs> so I guess she was wrong on two accounts. She might have been in the dark about that. Maybe relationships. Have you had... A friendship, or a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, or a mother, or a father, or a sister, or a brother, where you're kind of in the dark. Not sure what move you should take next. You don't even know what you may step on next. In my home growing up, we had a basement. We don't have basements here unless it's strange. But... In my home growing up, we had a basement because there's tornadoes and stuff, and you have to go down in the basement, hunker down. Well, the basement had these stairs, and there was at least 13 stairs going down. And it was pretty steep. For some reason, you couldn't turn the basement lights on at the top of the stairs. So you'd have to go down the stairs and then walk through the dark basement to get to the other side. And then you could turn the lights on. I hated that. 
I had an immense fear of Dracula. I had an immense fear of someone going to stab me downstairs in the basement. We were in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, but you never know. They could find us and kill me. So I would go down the stairs, and I would be confident in the beginning because the light was behind me. I could see. As I got towards the bottom, I would just, I would get ready, and then I would just leap out like that. Well, this one occasion, I leaped out like that to run across and turn the thing on, and I had forgotten that we had left Freckles, our dog, downstairs. You think I stepped on the dog, but I did not. I leaped out to get to the light, and I went like this, and I flew like this, and I hit something squishy and warm. <laughs> My sock was soaked with dog who had stayed in the basement too long. <sighs> And I was in the dark, and that yuck happened. And sometimes when you're in the dark, yuck happens. Whether it's in your marriage, or your relationships, or it's in the basement that you grew up in, yuck happens. And so there's nothing better, better than to have a light turned on. To have a friend give you advice about the finances that you have no idea how to fix. Or to have a longer married couple, a more mature married couple, speak into your relationship when you're trying to figure things out. Or maybe that you pick up a book about parenting and it just happens to actually speak about what you're in the dark about. And it works. It's good to have a light turned on when you're in the dark. Light is good. Verses 4 and 5, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now this theme in John is used throughout Scripture. John wasn't the first one to talk about God as light, and he wasn't the last. Psalm 19, 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Isaiah, the prophet, spoke about light. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness, as black as night, covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. John would continue this theme of light not only in his gospel, but later in his letters. 1 John chapter 1. 
This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's what it means to be in the light. That's what scripture, that's what God's word says about being in the light. It doesn't talk about pain or misdirection or slipping or falling. It actually talks about being held upright, being protected, being sure, being confident. So how can you tell if you're in the light? You feel the Spirit of the Lord upon you. Because the Spirit Himself is light. John talks about the man who described who this light was. Verse 6 in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The connection of light throughout the Old, Old Testament into the New Testament points to one central figure, and that's the central figure of John's gospel. Later in his gospel, he would speak the words or write and record the words of Jesus in chapter 8. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. I want you to take a moment when I was asking those questions. How many of you have been in the dark? Most of you have raised your hands. I gave a few examples but there are many more examples about being in the dark. So what is your darkness? Take a moment and grab onto that. Where are you in the dark right now? These are the words of Jesus directly to you. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. Can you believe that, church? It's hard, right? Because when you're in the dark, you think that light cannot happen. You think that the absence is so far from you that it cannot reach you. But Jesus is right there. He doesn't have to leap across the basement to turn on the light. He just simply says your name. It touches you. It reminds you that the light is already with you. And if you follow him, you will not have to walk in the darkness. It's a promise from Jesus directly to you. So what's keeping you in the darkness that you're currently in? Amen, sister. Myself. 
That's why when we confess our sin and we say, this is me, it's not my wife that's doing this, it's not my friend who's doing this, it's not, it's me. And God, I need you to shine on me. Paul would write about this as well in Thessalonians chapter 5. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are all children of the light and of the day. So we don't belong to the darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing it as our helmet, as our helmet, the confidence of our salvation. We are children who have been called into his precious light. John will speak even further in verses 10 through 13. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came into his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. The covenantal theme, the family theme of God is introduced right here in John. You'll see this now through the rest of the gospel as we go through the gospel of John. He's setting the tone to speak about what it means to be a part of the family of God, to step into the light that he's calling each of us into. Think about John as he writes this. He only was with Jesus for about three years. And then 60 years pass. What kept him walking in the light even while he saw all his other friends martyred and killed for the gospel? What kept him walking in the light even when the whole world was against him? The fact that his family did not reside just here. He knew that he had a, a membership with the Father in heaven. He said, you are my son, John, and I'll never forget you. And even though many years have passed, you're on mission for me. Peter would also write about this. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor that God has given him, but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. I love this verse because I go, absolutely, I'm not like that. And then at the same time, I go, but I am. But this is what God's calling me into, to not be like that, to not be a person that lives in the dark, but instead a person who knows that the light is an open invitation for me to walk into. 
It's not something I have to turn on. It's not something that I've got to do. It's just a simple invitation that Jesus says, let me turn the light on for you. Come follow me. Let me turn this light on for you. You are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Maybe you are in the darkness right now in some portion of your life and you haven't found the way out. And you've cried out to Jesus and he said, I want to follow you, but the darkness still is there. Or maybe you're one of those individuals that you've been in the darkness and you have seen the light come in. The light shattered that darkness in your heart. Well, you have a story to tell to people. A story to those who are currently trying to make their way out of the darkness. That there is a hope and there is a future. A story for those who are in the darkness that they don't have to have life like this. It doesn't have to be like this. If you follow Jesus, it can all be different. He can make your day a better day, even if your circumstances don't change. Does that make sense? When your circumstances don't guide whether or not you're in the light, your perspective changes on what God can do for you. He has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So where has God brought light into your life lately? It's something that you can give thanks for. We are a community that we believe that in giving thanks, there is power in thanksgiving. So where have you seen light come into your life? In following Jesus. What goodness have you been able to experience that you can give thanks for? Even though your circumstances may have a lot of darkness, where do you see a glimmer of light shining through? Jesus calls us to be the light of the world just as he was. And he saw a lot of darkness. In fact, he saw the darkest day, and that was the day that he died. But even in that darkness, his grace and glory shone through. And it was so bright just three days later. He's inviting you into that brightness because he already took on the darkness. So the present darkness that you're in is a darkness that is not eternal because God is waiting to shatter that for you. So where are you called to be light? Let's take a look at this clip as it encourages you to look into becoming light in the darkness. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.
why I like this video is that sometimes we discount the simple. Don't discount the simple. We had a couple guys this morning that served eggs to the homeless. Simple act. Simple act of calling someone that you know needs to just have a phone call. A simple act of loving the person that is very hard to love. Stopping and talking to the person that you know is going to talk for more than a minute. Loving those people. Loving your, your parent who just irritates you. Those simple acts are showing your light. They make a difference. I believe that John, the beloved disciple, for 60 years, 60 years, did simple things. Talked about Jesus. He loved the Lord. He kept on living. And then he testified to what the Lord had done in his life. And he never lost hope. Even when he was 80, my dad's 81. He's going to be turning 82 in January. And when I look at my dad, I think about, man, that's when John kind of wrote this gospel. He didn't say, oh, I've done too much. I'm all done. He said, the Lord has pressed upon me to do more. Just a simple thing of writing out this gospel. He had no idea whether anybody would ever read it. I mean, I think sometimes we think about these writers of the Gospels and the letters, and we think, man, they must have really like sat down and said, oh, I've got to get this totally right, because millions and millions, a billion upon billion people will read it someday. And all this started with the first words. In the beginning, the word was there. What's your beginning? How will your light shine today? If it's been growing dim, remind yourself that it's not you who make it brighter. You can't make your light go brighter. All you can do is get closer to the source of light, which is Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us this time to reflect on your love displayed by your light. Lord, I pray as we look up into the sky today, whether it is at night and we see that beautiful harvest moon that's been shining the last couple days, or it's during the day when we see the sun in all its glory peeking through the clouds or powering its way through those clouds, that instead of complaining about the heat, we remind ourselves how penetrating your love is when light shines. In your name we pray, amen.